0: Listen, we have been in a series called Better Relationships and just talking about, you know, how can we be better with the people around us? And I just believe with all my heart that, you know, if the relationships... Uh, with the people around me are better. Come on, I just believe that I'm going to have more peace and joy in my life, right? As much as it depends on me, that if I can live well with my, my kids, my family, and my neighbors, right? People that I work alongside of, like people in our church, right? People like in the community. Listen, even the person at the checkout. When I can do that, right? I just believe that I'm going to have more peace and joy in my life, right? I also believe that if my relationships with the people around me are better, I believe more people will see Jesus through my life. Can I get an Amen. Right. Listen. If I'm a cranky husband, if I'm a tyrannic, uh, if that's a word, uh, father. Right. And people see that. Are they gonna see Jesus in me? Right. I mean, if they just see me like yelling at the at the person checking me out because they're too slow, or me complaining in line, or me saying, "Come on, you don't have a stop sign, moron. Get going." Like if I do that. Right? We, we, there's a... Well, I won't go into it. Okay. No. Anyway, keep going. Keep going, Deb. Keep going. Um, listen, people are going to see Jesus through my life based on my relationships. And if, if I'm loving, right, and if they're good relationships, and if I live in a respectful way, they're going to see Jesus in me. And if I don't, they're not going to see Jesus in me. And that's why we want better relationships. I, we want to be loving people who are patient, peacemakers, merciful, right? We want to reflect God. And the first two weeks, if you missed it, you can go back and watch. We just talked about all relationships as a whole. How can we be better in our relationships? Well, next week, we're going to talk about marriage. Obviously, that's a big relationship. We're going to talk about parenting in one of these weeks coming up. But today, we're going to talk about singleness, right? And those who are single and how to be better as a single individual and how to have better relationships as someone who's single here today, right? And before you click off wherever, whoever's, wherever you are, there you are, before click off before someone who's married gets up and be like okay we're talking about people who are single this doesn't apply to me can we all just say with with all of our hearts we love everyone in this church whether you're married or single can we say that right aren't aren't we supposed to be a loving church who loves everybody no matter their relationship and can I, wait what come on that's right one more time come on to those who are single in this part we love them right everybody say Thank you, right? And listen, next week, those who are single, that doesn't mean, well, I don't have to go to church because I'm I'm single and we're going to talk about marriage. No, we love everyone in this church. We should be encouraging one another. Some of you who are single might be married in the future, and so it's good to hear about and it's good to just encourage and be alongside of each other. But I want to talk about being single today and, and some of the challenges of that. And listen, it looks different in a lot of different ways. Yes, it can look of like I'm not in a relationship right now, right? So I'm in a time of being single. It could mean that you are in a relationship and you're dating someone or maybe it's a serious relationship. But guess what? And if you're not married, in a way, you're still in a place of single. You keep probably keep your money separate, you know, uh, even if you're sharing space, right, together or living together. Guess what? I mean, I've seen so many people, it's like one argument and they're split. Right? I mean, it's really quick, and they show how quickly they're just thinking about themselves because, in their mind, I'm just still, I'm not one with this person, and I'm still single. I mean, if we're still checking the single box on our tax return, right? In a way, we're single. Listen, single could mean I just don't want a relationship right now. Right? There's some of you that are just like, I'm too busy, it's just not something on my radar, I'm not looking for a relationship, so I'm just I'm enjoying a time of being single, and I'm not looking for any relationship. For others, singleness could just mean that um, you know, you're waiting for that time to come, right? for what God has. For some singles, it could be that you're a widow. And and your your spouse passed away and you're living a life of being single and trying to uh, ad, adapt to that. Maybe it's been for a while. Maybe it hasn't been for a while. Maybe it's you, you've been divorced. And because of that, now you're single, right? There's a lot of different um, meanings for that. And and I'll just say this um, because I say this out of care and we want to grow in being better as single people. But I, I say this out of care that I recognize it's hard for many people today to be single. I think that this... Culture puts a lot of pressure on people who are single. Am I right about that? It's like, well, where's your date to the wedding, right? Or who you're bringing to, to this holiday event? Or sometimes someone's single and it's like, because they're single, they're like, well, let me hook you up with this person. Have you thought about this person? And we mean well. Listen, if you're single and somebody does that to you, can I just say, most people mean well, right? We mean well. But sometimes it puts this like push on someone that like there's something wrong with them. Right? And I'm here to say there isn't anything wrong with them. Right? Can I can I say that I I recognize that even in the in the culture today, if you're not in a relationship, if you're not having sex in a relationship, by the time you're 18, 19, or 20, there's something wrong with you. If there's something wrong with you in that way and you're not doing that, hey, there's this whole movement of the of the homosexuality movement or the transgender movement, and hey, you gotta jump into one of those movements then because you need to find a place where you fit in, right? There's that pressure that's in our culture today, right? And and everyone's wrestling with it, especially those who are younger and single. My heart goes out to those who are 25 and younger, or 30 and younger, it, it's difficult. Listen, my heart goes out to those who lost their spouse or lost their, um, your, their spouse, whether they pass away or you're divorced, and, and it just doesn't seem fair, right? There are people that are just like, does God hate me? Like, what happened? Like, whether it's regret in a divorce and it didn't work out, or whether you weren't expecting your spouse to, to go on and be with the Lord, and you're like, man, this is not easy. Like, I've always had someone with me, and I'm just hurting and so when I say it's hard for people who are single, listen, I get it. There's, sometimes you can feel insecure, right? There's pressures. I got to be like someone in this culture or what the cultures were telling me to do. Or you feel lonely at times or depressed at times, right? Or, or just again, I'm just sad that I lost a relationship or I have regret because of some of the choices that I've made, right? And I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell every single person who is single today, that there is nothing wrong with you, that God loves you, that God has a plan for your life, right, that we love you, and we want to stand alongside of you as you continue to follow Jesus. I'm here to tell every single person who's single, my greatest advice for you, newsflash, trust and follow Jesus, right? Right? And believe, right? I'm going to jump ahead. Believe that Jesus was the greatest person who ever lived, came from the throne of God. And guess what? Jesus was single. Am I right about that? And Jesus was okay being single, right? I mean, he is the greatest example of someone who was single. And so I, I, I just say this with a, with a security and with humility you're, we're not looking down on anybody here. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Listen, we have mistakes in our past. We have things that happened we didn't expect to happen. God is walking alongside of you. Don't give up. We understand that it's hard. But guess what? God can have a purpose in all of this. Because I'm here to tell you, listen, I get it. Right? Listen, marriage is God's design, right? But some are called to be single. Right, some are called. We all have moments of being called to be single. Listen, just reminded me, marriage. Right, from cover to cover, from Genesis chapter two to Revelation chapter nineteen, you're going to see the theme of marriage in this Bible. Right, marriage is God's design. We're going to talk about this. Marriage is. It makes no sense outside of a Creator God that said, "I'm going to make people different, male and female. I'm going to make them so that they come together, be one, and they're going to strengthen each other." But surprisingly, God's will for some people are to be single. I'm not just the one saying that. Do you know that Jesus said that? You know that Jesus, we're going we're to jump around a couple different places here, but do you know that in Matthew chapter 19, right? Listen, just keep in mind, when, when we read this in Matthew 19, most Jewish people, like, they thought everyone should be single. Right If a Jewish person was under twenty and they weren't married yet, they felt something was wrong with that person. But when Jesus was talking about divorce and people came to him and said, "Is it lawful for to divorce and should, uh, you know and he goes and says, "Well, a man should leave his father and mother, cling to his wife, that the, the two shall become one. let no one separate them right Marriage is important. If you go down then around, around verse nine, he says this, and then he says um And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another commits adultery. Verse 10, then the disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man and his wife, is it better not to marry? Now, come on, how many of you know that probably there's a lot of people who don't know the Bible, but ask this exact same question? They say, you know what? Come on, there's so many people getting divorced. It's so hard to stay married. There's so many issues. How about it's just better not to get married, right? And this is basically what the disciples were asking Jesus. Is it just better not to get married? It's just a lot easier, right? Remember that the disciples, all of them except for Peter, were single. All 11 of them. They're all probably young adults, if not teenagers. There's a lot of proof that say all the disciples were probably just teenagers, right? And it was only Peter who was married at the time. And so Jesus' response to this says, hey, he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. Meaning, yes, to someone who has been given, it is better not to marry. He goes on to say, and I, I, you know me, if you, Pastor Devin loves to read Scripture in context, right? So you know me here, so I just want to keep reading. And then Jesus goes on to say, confusing part of Scripture, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by man, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, let the one who is able to receive this, receive this. Now, again, what's a eunuch? Right? Some of you might, not, might know what this is, but what's a eunuch? But if you go back to the Greek and you go back to history and you go back to the context of this, there's various parts in the Bible where it brings up this concept of someone being a eunuch. A eunuch is someone who was sexually abstaining, from, someone who abstained from sex, someone who did not have sexual relationships. Right? And, and again, different ways this can happen. One, Jesus says there are eunuchs who've been made that way from birth. Maybe that Jesus means by that they just don't have that drive and that desire in their bodies. You know, we know that there are a very small percentage of people that are born with birth defects with their sexual organs, right? And so in a way, they've been born that way, right? What are the eunuchs? It says some have been made that way, right, by men, Listen, in that time, a lot of the kings, when they had different officials and advisors, they would have eunuchs as part of their court. These were people that either they said, hey, I don't want you having sexual relationships with anybody, you are working for me, your focus is me. Some kings went to the extent in the past, in, in history, where they literally castrized men and they made them eunuchs, right? To make sure they, they didn't mess around with their Harlem or their, their women or anything like that. They made them eunuchs, right? And then it's this confusing part where it says some made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Now, again, when you look at eunuchs and you recognize it's not just those who had any sort of operations physically, but some who made a vow or some who abstained, I believe with all my heart what Jesus is saying here is that these are people who made the decision to say, I am going to remain sexually absent, uh, and I'm not going to have any relationships with anybody else for the sake of the kingdom of God. I understand that today with the transgender world that we're living in and a lot of confusion, and this is a delicate situation, and again, I'm saying this in humility. I'm not saying this to put anybody down. I'm not saying this to a blast or to start charge against any sort of movement. I'm just saying these are kind of verses that we can say, well, well, Jesus said some made themselves eunuchs. Maybe that's okay for me to change my gender, right? But I would tell you if you go back to history, there was a guy named Justin Martyr, and his, where we get the word martyr from, because Justin was martyr, he lived at 100 AD to 165 AD. He was a philosopher who came to know Jesus Christ, committed his whole life to Jesus Christ. And he details a lot of history back at that time. And he said that, yes, there were some Christians and those who were spiritual who actually went and made a request to surgeons to say, I want to give my life to God, therefore would you please give me a surgery to take away the sexual desires in my life so I can just be for God. And that, that the surgeons would not do that because they had to get permission from the governor, uh, who was at the time Felix, and Felix denied it to say, nobody should be doing anything like that in, in under my rule or reign. This is not right. And that, so the people did not do that. He makes reference of that in, in his first apology that he wrote. And so if you want to look that up, you can. And so I believe with all my heart that those who made themselves eunuchs, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that they had any sort of surgeries. It means that they devoted themselves to say, I want to follow God. And I'm choosing to abstain from sexual relationships because I am single. See, this concept of biblical celibacy, it's a very hard topic today in our culture. Why is biblical celibacy difficult in our culture today? I'll tell you why. Because in our culture, sex is a god. Sex is a god. Listen, sex to some people is gross. Sex to some people is a god. God. The truth is, sex is a gift that God has given between a husband and a wife. And it is a gift to be cherished. But the problem is, in our culture, we've made it a god which means we elevate it above everything else, right? I gotta have, listen, I'll do anything God wants me to do, but I got, I'm got i gonna have sex whenever I want to have it, right? It, it's, it's elevated, right? Doesn't matter if I'm married, doesn't matter if I'm single, doesn't matter what my views of proper sex is or not, male, female, whatever. I'm gonna do whatever I want, right? I mean, sex is like, I can pull it up on the internet, I can pull it up on my phone, I can get download an app and schedule a hookup with some person down the street for later today. I can do all different types things i can get people to tell me whatever i want to hear to make me happy in my sexual in my sexuality right but the truth of the matter is whenever we do that and whenever we turn away from what god's word says about the the reason for sex is all of a sudden right we elevate sex above our one true god and we make it a god that we worship and listen i'm not just putting this on sex we idolize so many things in our culture come on you know that right Listen, we, alt- we, we idolize food in this culture, okay? So before we just throw those people completely under the bus, we all have idols in our heart that we need to crucify every single day. But the idea of biblical celibacy, it's hard for us to trust that God has designed this gift, right, to be cherished, this most intimate act to be cherished between one man and one wife that this loving union would come together and it would help keep them together for the rest of their life. Now, and those who are single, listen, there's two different types of ways to handle this. Because if someone's single, you would say there's two different ones. One, you would say maybe some are called to a life of celibacy. Listen, so now listen, I'm not saying that, hey, all of a sudden all the pastors here are going to be celibates. Joe, you can be thankful. Thomas, you can be thankful for that, right? I'm not calling that, right? I'm not, I don't believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart. I mean that no one should force anybody to a life of celibacy. I don't think that that's godly. I think that we are all called to whatever God wants for our lives. But there are some that, you know what? God has called them to remain single for their life. And what does that mean? It means a life of celibacy. It means a life of saying, you know what, God, I'm giving that up. I'm trusting you to say, God, I want to follow you in purity. I believe with all my heart that if that's something that you're you're investigating, especially younger people, I would just say in all humility, that shouldn't be a decision you make quickly. People who have made that decision, people who have been like monks and stuff, do you know that most of those people, they make that decision five, eight, sometimes it takes ten years, so they make that decision to say, I believe and I have discerned that this is what God wants for my life. That is a very slow decision that you should make for yourself. But others are called to a dedicated time of celibacy. Right? A time where they say, you know what, this is a, a period in my life where I'm single. This is a period in my life where I'm not dating anybody or I'm not in a relationship. This is a period that I'm waiting till I'm married, until I'm going to engage in sexual activity. Right? And it, it's for a season of time. Listen, from the time that I was, say, 16, right, and in that getting old enough to know what that is and my friends around me to the time that I was married, it was a dedicated time to say, God, I want to do whatever I can to have a dedicated time of celibacy because I'm trusting what you have for my life. There are people that, that just in seasons of marriage even, right, they're in seasons of marriage that this is a season of celibacy, to be honest with you, right, that we're just not sexually engaged right now. Maybe it's for medical reasons, maybe it's for health reasons or whatever, Maybe it's for distance where we're not together, right? There's seasons of celibacy. And in those seasons, it, it shouldn't be like, well, my wife can't do this or my husband can't do this, therefore I'm going to do whatever I want. No, I'm trusting God in that process. There are people that are, are divorced or there are people that are widows and you've entered a, a dedicated time of celibacy. But when we, the key isn't how, it's just are we going to honor God in it? This is the key that we say, sex is not my God, but I want to honor God in the area and the place where I am, right? It's, it's for a season. Let me give you, listen, there is examples of incredible single people in the Bible. You can look at Ruth, you can look at Jeremiah, you can look at Nehemiah, you can look at Anna the widow who is dedicated to the Lord. You can look at even Joseph for a time that said, hey, God has a plan for my life. It's not a time to be married. God's using me right now and I, it's a time to, be, to trust God, right? So but I want to I want to just share quickly about Paul because Paul was single. I mean, he's the greatest apostle, right? One of the greatest men used by God and he was single. And he says this in if you want to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said now considering concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Again, somebody was asking him a question in the same way that somebody asked Jesus and he's addressing this issue. Hey, is it okay that men just don't have sexual relationships? Is that better? And he says, hey... There's a temptation there. And so if you're going to do this, it should be in the context of marriage between a woman and a husband. Not my words, God's words here, right? And then he goes on in verse 6. He says, now as a concession, now as a suggestion, again, this is like the only place in the Bible where it's not a command. This is actually just, hey, let me just give you a little advice to some of you who are younger. He says, now as a concession... Not as a command, I say this. I wish that all of you were like I am. What's he talking about? Like being single. He says, For each has his own gift from God, one one kind, one another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Once again, Paul's saying, you know what? We don't have to serve sex as our God. We don't have to be that be the only reason. But if you struggle with this, if you have a lot of sexual drive, you have that temptation, then maybe that's a call that's God saying it's good for you to be married and you should look for that option. But let me just tell you a couple things that I take from this passage. One is I take that being single is a gift. Right, It's a gift. If you're single here today, I'm telling you, it's a gift. Listen, I know there's some married people in here that would say, let me just tell you something. If you're single here today, it's a gift. <laughs> Am I right about that? No, nobody raise your hand. Nobody raise a hand. Do not look over at your spouse right now. Don't look there. Don't look there. Right? But the truth of the matter is, he says, listen, I wish you were all like me. It's a gift, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, in every place that we live, every season, I should say, of our lives, there is a place there to say, I give thanks to God, right? It says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Right so whether you're married or whether you're single if you're in the either place you can say God thank you for the gift that you've given me and I can find joy in that gift right listen if you have little tiny toddlers right and you you're not getting much sleep and it's like your house is crazy because you got these little one and two and three year olds running all over the place it's a season and just thank God for that season say it's a gift season right listen for me I got the teenagers and sometimes I just got to remind myself this is a season but thank you, God. Thank you that I have this opportunity. And we just need to remind ourselves, God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. You are not a mistake. Instead, we can say, God, I'm just trusting you in this season. Listen, guess what? There are great times being married. And there are great times being single. There are challenges when you are in a marriage sometimes, challenges so hard, you need to cry out to God and you need to beg him, God, please help me today to remain in my marriage and to love my spouse. And there are times being single, you need to cry out to God and say, God, I'm just having a hard day. I feel lonely. I feel discouraged, but God help me to feel like I am not alone. Both are there, and both have a reason for us to say, God. Thank you for the season that I am. And and Paul could write that, say, I wish everybody were like me, but I know this is a gift from God. And you can take advantage. Second thing I want to tell you: listen, being single has a purpose. It It has a purpose, right? When we come to Christ and we choose to follow Christ, there's automatic purpose for our lives, right? What is our purpose? To follow him. What is our purpose? Romans 12, 1 and 2. In view of the mercy of God. We just celebrated communion. We just took the cup. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. And in view of that, Romans 12, 1. I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. I'm not going to be conformed to the patterns of this world. But I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, you have a purpose. I, I want to I come close to you that I might know your good and perfect and pleasing will for my life. And while I am single or even whether I am married, God, you have a purpose. You know, Paul said this later in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, hey, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. He goes on to flip it around. If you read that passage, he talks about the wife and and her same thing, right? goes on, right? And it's the truth. Some of you who are single, and I've seen it, and it's been incredible. There are some single people in our church who have dedicated their life to God that are always serving, always giving, always saying, how can God use my life? Why? Because they have a purpose. And being single, sometimes in different times, there's a purpose in it. We just got to say, God, show me that purpose. Lastly, listen, it's a gift. There's a purpose. Let me just remind you, being single is for a season. And again, some of you who are younger, maybe, maybe some of you who are just in a season where, where um, God's calling you to be single, right? That, that season's going to come to an end on this earth and you are going to be married and God is going to bring someone to, to be your spouse. You're going to become one with that person. You're no longer by yourself. You are together, one person be, in, before the sight of God and that season's going to be over. Let me remind people who might be older in here or maybe people who are single and you don't think that God will ever bring your spouse, let me tell you, your season of singleness is going to come to an end. What am I talking about? Because there is going to come a time when you go be with the Lord forever and the Bible tells us we are going to be married to Jesus. Listen, that married to Jesus is different than marriage here on earth. But it says in Revelation chapter 19, it says, let us rejoice and exalt. Give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And it says, the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Listen, I I can't get my head around this whole idea that in heaven I'm going to be technically married to Jesus, okay? It does say in the Bible that in heaven Jesus said that we're no longer going to be married to our spouse in the same way. It's going to be different. I believe I'm going to know just in heaven. I believe we're going to be close, but it's different. Listen, I can't get my head around it, but I do know this. I guarantee you no one in heaven is going to be lonely. And I do believe that there is going to be an intimacy with God that we've never experienced before. And for those who are single, I want to give you this hope. It's for a season of time. So with that being said, can I just give just a couple practical encouragements to you who are single today? I just want to just give a couple things that I just want to encourage you. And I think that as a church, we need to encourage one another in. First of all, I love you. First of all, we care for you. First of all, we say like, "Listen, we're so thankful for the body, which is the church, so that we can be a family together." Let me say this, and I'm going to go through these fairly quickly as I just share a couple encouragement. One, I would encourage you to dive deep into the loving union with God. Right? I steal that wording from Pastor Peter Seguero that talks about our relationship with God. It's a loving union, and here on this earth, we can have a loving reunion. It's a. It's. I encourage you to dive deep into your relationship with God. That through Christ, you can come closer to God. You can take steps closer to him, even closer than sometimes people who are married can. You don't have to worry about pleasing anybody else. You don't have to worry about, oh, i got to spend time with this person or that person. But no, there is a closeness that you can come to God. There is an intimacy, right? Listen, that intimacy, is, it's like going to the beach, right? There's a difference between walking on the beach and putting your little toes in the water, right? Or, or getting some water up to your ankles. And there's a difference from going out deep into the intimacy with God and letting those waves crash over you. There is a deepness of the love of God that we can experience here on earth. And if you're single, right, I would encourage you to dive deep into that loving union with God. Listen, I I mean, I'm overwhelmed every time I read Ephesians 3. It says, I pray to you that from the glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit, right? Then Christ will make his home. Think about this, his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into the, God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, and how deep is his love that you may experience the love of Christ so that it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes to God. Now to glory to God who is able through his mighty power and work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. When I read that passage, I think to myself, is there anybody who is less than when they have a relationship with God? Is there anyone on this earth, that when they have that close relationship with God, that they're missing out on some part of life? Absolutely not. Because they get a deeper experience in the love of God, and they go deep in the love of God. I think back to my days of single singleness. I think back on feeling second rate. I feel, think back of of just feeling alone. I think back of no one wanting to date me. I kind of was an awkward teenager. I was kind of awkward in high school, even beginning in college. It just, just was a little awkward. And a lot of times I was alone. A lot of times I saw other people with other relationships and I felt jealous. I felt what was wrong with me. But you know what? In that season of time, God brought me closer and closer and closer to him. And it was, it was a special season of my life. Because there were times of being alone in the car and just worshiping God. There were times of being alone and just praying and seeking him. And there were times of just being able to go to the altar at church and not worry about how long I stayed or what anybody else cared about me because it was just a time of God to just speak to my heart. It was a time for me to develop this loving union with God. So much that, that this insecure, you know, young, awkward boy right, who was trying to become a man all of a sudden became so secure in who he was that he didn't even care anymore if somebody wanted to date him. I, I, I didn't care so much, and Jess isn't here today, she's feeling a little under the weather, so much that Jess had to basically like hold up a huge sign to say, Devin, I'm attracted to you, do you want to date me? I mean, it was that bad, because I was just completely oblivious to it. I was just like, I'm fine who I am, right? And she's like, you know, doing different things to try to get my attention. And finally, I'm like, oh, man, I've been an idiot. I've been missing all these signals. She's been trying to give me, rights. But even in a place where we started dating, it was like there was two different times in our dating relationship that we both said, you know what? If God doesn't want us to be together, let's just end it tonight. No tears, no nothing. We were just like, we just want God's will for our life. We're like, let's pray for a couple days. We'll come back and we'll figure this out. And we both were in a place where we were secure, in God's love for us. And we were abiding in the love of God that even though Jess was one of the most beautiful per- people on the campus, right? I was like, it's okay, I got the Lord. If she doesn't want to be with me, and if this isn't God's will, it's okay. And so I tell you, if you're single, dive into that. Dive into that loving union with God, right? Spend time. Go on dates with God. I know that sounds crazy. Jess, we were dating. Jess went to Zambia for two whole months. I was like left alone wondering if she was ever going to come back alive, Right? And then and God just put in my heart, every Tuesday night, Devin, turn the TV off. Don't go out with anybody. Go in your bedroom and spend time alone with me. And I'll tell you one thing, it seemed like such a little act of obedience back then. I was working a full-time job, I was out of college, it seemed like such a little act of obedience. Man, God started to put a passion in my heart for ministry like never before. God spoke to me and told me to start playing guitar. We never had music in our family. I'm like, what? You want me to play guitar? All of a sudden, this burning desire comes in my heart to play guitar. I'm like, okay, God, maybe there's a reason for it, right? God does those things when we take time to just be with him, right? Just that loving union with him. I, I, just, I just call out to those who are single to just say, listen, dive deep into what God has you your life. I would say second thing, and I'll make these next ones quicker. Listen, grow into a healthy single person. Take this time emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? Listen, everyone affects the other, right? And we need to say, God, help me to just continue to walk a healthy life. If there's things in the past that I've been hurt by, God, how can I heal from them? Physically, God, how can I heal? Spiritually, how can I heal? I want to be the most healthy person that I possibly can, Jesus came. Part of discipleship is being healthy, learning to grow in health. Maybe it's asking someone, will you commit to praying for me? I had this horrible thing happen to me in the past. I need someone praying that it no longer affects my future. Maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's just it's just saying, God, I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to grow as a healthy person, right? God wants to take you on a journey. And if you're single, this is the time to get healthy. Let me just tell you, it's, it's incredible. We live in a world where we're like, we'll just, I'm like a mess emotionally and I'm a mess physically and I'm a mess with addiction or I'm a mess just with relationships and I'm gonna go in a relationship with another person who's a mess and who's got issues, right? And got their problems and trust me, we love each other so much, it's all gonna work out well. Are you kidding me, right? Just give it time, just give it time. It's not, the ship is going to sink, right? And so what, you sh- what should you do while you're single? God, I want to get my life as healthy as possible. And I want to I make sure, God, that you're speaking to me and I'm taking care of my body. I'm taking care of my mind. I'm taking care of my emotions so that when I meet the person that you want me to meet, I'm believing you're going to do the same thing in their life. I'm not going to be need that relationship, but I'm going to believe you're going to do it in their life, and then you're going to bring us together. It is definitely an act of faith. But God, I'm going to trust now by doing the things you want me to do so that I can grow and be ambitious about being a healthy single person. This is where the church family can come and play. This is where relationships can come and play. This is even where you can ask bold questions. Hey, so-and-so, you're in my small group. Hey, so-and-so, you're. You're a close friend of me. Hey, what areas do you see that I need to grow in, that I could keep growing in? Could you speak that into my life? Like sometimes seems like a dangerous question, but no, if we have people around us that love us and care for us, it should be a question that we're always asking into a healthy single person. Third thing I would say is find godly community. Listen, if you're single, listen, we are made for godly community, right? We are made for community. Just because you're not in a dating relationship or you have a girlfriend or boyfriend or you're married doesn't mean that you don't need community. God has made every single person someone who needs community. We all need a good friend, every single one of us. There's some of you in this room, not even just single, but married. And you're like, Devin, I just need a good friend in my life. And you're absolutely right. We all need good friends in our life. Some of you, you have a spouse, right? And, and they're your best friend too. But you're like, I need another good friend. I, I, I need some more community. Or I need a connect group. I need a group of people that I care for, right? And if you're single, more importantly, seek community. And I say seek godly community because depending on which community you hang out with, they will sway your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show you what they're doing and I'll show you where your future is going to go. And so it was so important when I was single to say, God, surround me with the good people. You know, when I was in high school, I had some friends that were a little suspects, suspicious, right? I had some friends that they didn't have my best interest in their minds and they weren't making good choices for themselves and they weren't going anywhere. And when I went to college, I was like, Devin, I I can find the exact same friends here at college. I I, I can point them out. I can find the same friends. I'm not putting them down I'm just telling you they're going nowhere. How about I find some people who are going to really lift me up? How about I find some people who are following Jesus with all their heart? How about I find some people who are actually like studying hard and working hard and are are people of integrity? That's the people I want to find, and that's the people I want to become my friends. And I'm just so thankful God brought those people into my life. Why? Because it just happened? No, I sought it out. And for some of you who are single I'm telling you no matter where life takes you seek godly community and be around people who are going to encourage you Fourth thing listen live holy right live holy Right? I say that, right? This word holy, right? It means different. God is the, the most different person ever. He is holy, but he calls us to live holy. Why do I, why do I say this to those who are single? Because when I come back to where our culture is today, it is very hard to be single. It is very hard not to feel this pressure of, I have to conform to everybody on YouTube or Instagram, or I got to conform to every, everything that's getting pushed every different direction. But God says, hey, how about you follow me? How about you live a holy life and follow me? And it is going to look different. And it's okay that it looks different. Sometimes when we follow Jesus, we have to come to the place to say, my life isn't going to look like everybody else. Therefore, you know what? I am going to sometime get mocked at or picked on or, hey, this person, oh, you'll you'll never do this. Oh, don't offer Devin that. He'll never do that. Just, Just sometimes you gotta be okay with it. And you gotta say, you know what? I have a call for my life God has a purpose for my life, and I'm going to live holy. And so God, what does this word say? Let me tell you, the fact that we even use the word celibacy in this church today, come on, right? That's different than anywhere else, is not it? But it's how God has called us to be different sometimes when we're single. It's called because he has something better for us. I think of John the Baptizer. Do you know John the Baptizer lived a holy life? Right? He was out in the wilderness, he was wearing, wearing weird skin clothing, Right, he was eating honey and locusts. I'm not telling you to do that, but he was different. But I'll tell you one thing, he might have been single, he might have lived differently, but he was used by God in mighty ways. Amen. He, he had a purpose and God, he walked in that purpose. He said, I am called to make straight the way of the Lord and I'm gonna be used by God. I am going after, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what the culture says. I am going to do what God has called me to do. And if you think about it, he was so used by God that God's basically like, hey, you're 30 some years old. You're done, punch your ticket, come to heaven. We're all done with you, right? He was beheaded for speaking out the truth and God took him right to heaven. Right? I mean, because he did what he was called to do. And we are called to live holy lives. We're called to be different. It's going to look different sometimes. I mean, this is what what, what Paul said, right? He says, if you've been raised with Christ, come on. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is the problem sometimes with with our struggle, with marriage and singleness even. We we set our minds so much on what's happening here on earth, so much. 99.9% of the time, it's what's happening here on earth. And we need to just set our eyes on something bigger sometimes. And just say, God, maybe you have something bigger in store for me. That's even beyond sex, and even beyond a relationship, and even beyond what you have. God, I want to just so follow and be devoted to you, God, that I would trust you no matter what you ask of me. That I would set my mind on that and live a holy life. And when you do that, let me just tell you what's going to happen. You will be overwhelmed with the gospel. Every day, worship team, you can come forward. You'll be overwhelmed with the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news. What is the good news? Right? That... that um, we get to come to church and, and say hi to one another. We get to sing some songs. No, that's not the good news. What is the good news? That if, you're, if you do enough good things and you'll go to heaven? No, that is definitely not the good news because that's never going to happen. The good news that God so loved the world and that God so loved you and God saw you and God cared you and he saw you in your worst place and yet he sent his son to die for you right and that's the gospel right that is what should just completely overwhelm us why are people going out on mission this summer it's not because they're trying to earn a merit badge church it's because they're overwhelmed with the gospel and they want as many people to hear about it as possible and we should be overwhelmed by it let me tell you Jesus was overwhelmed with telling everyone about the kingdom of God, right? I mean, you look at all the accounts of Jesus. He's overwhelmed with it. And one time people say, is it better to be single, right? And he answered the question and he dealt with it. One time. Paul, overwhelmed with the gospel, giving his life, everything he has for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone says to him, hey, hey, um, is it better just to not engage in sexual activity He says, let me address it. Let me just give my two cents on it. This isn't a command. Let me tell you. Does he write about it in every single chapter? Is it his focus in every single chapter? It's not. Right? What's his focus? Right? Just come back to the big picture. What is Paul's focus? Jesus Christ is his focus, letting everyone know it doesn't matter if he's shipwrecked, it doesn't matter if he's stoned, it doesn't matter if he's whipped, it doesn't matter if people hate him, I am going to take the gospel to everyone who's willing to hear. And I'm making that my goal. And that's why he says, hey, for those of you who are single, maybe you should just make that your goal, just my two cents. If you want to get married, get married. But just serve Jesus. That's all he's saying. And come on, church, if we're just really real about this, come on, let's just have a real moment here today. Real moment, everybody, real moment. We in this culture make a lot of big deal about a lot of things that is not the gospel. And there are a lot of causes. There are causes you disagree with and there are causes you agree with. There are a lot of causes that we can get our hearts so wrapped into that all of a sudden the gospel is second. Come on, church, this is hard for us to hear. Listen, the gospel is first. Jesus is always first, right? As a believer in God, the only number one thing that matters is that we trust and believe that he saved our lives and we have a purpose to take that message around the world so that everyone could hear. And every other cause, I don't care, it's Save the Planet or Justice or my political figure that I like or the trans and gay. I don't care what it is. If you think about it, it's pulling everyone away from the gospel. Jesus should be first. Are these some of these things important? Yes. Some of them we agree or disagree or we can argue about, yes. But oh, Lord God, when we, when we get our eyes off you, right? That's where we miss it because here, can we just bring it back? Oh, God, thank you. Every single person here, everyone watching online, God loves you. He created you. He sees you. He made you how he made you. You're not a mistake. You're not a screw up, right? He loves you. His love's never gonna come to an end. And that's something that we can celebrate here today. Listen, I'll say this first. To those who are married, when you get that and figure that out, you will love your spouse even better. But I'll tell you, those who are single in here, when you just come and just bask in the love of God, no one's looking down on you. You are free to live as God has called you to live. You keep your eyes on him. And you could be later in your life. You could be younger in your life. If God wants you to be with someone, he will make it clear to you. He'll open up that door. And he'll call you to do that. And if he wants you to be single, you say, it's okay, I can be single. I'm not identified by my relationship. I'm not identified by my sexuality. I'm identified by the one who died for me. His name is Jesus Christ. you stand with me today as we close? Lord Jesus, thank you today for your love and your grace thank you today for it Lord there's just so much confusion so many thoughts Lord there's so much pressure God Lord God I thank you for your word that is clear of your love for us so Lord right now I just pray We pray, we pray together for everyone in this room who's single, who's in a season of singleness. Lord, it might be for a dedicated time, might be for their entire time on on this planet. We don't know, Lord, only you know. But we pray for those who are single today. Lord, if there's times that those who are not single have put them down or looked down upon them or not invited them into our homes, not treated them well Lord we we repent and we say we're sorry Lord I just ask that we would be a church just ask that we'd be a people that we truly care for one another that we truly are a family family made up of those who are married and in relationships those who are single those who are dating those who are widowed some of those who are divorced but we still love each other and we're going forward in what God has for our lives So God, speak to us, Lord. Lord, I just pray again, encouragement, encouragement, encourage, encourage the one who's lonely, encourage the one who's sad, encourage the one who thinks that they're never gonna find the right person. Encourage them, Lord, that we truly would just come back to your word and back to your focus. Oh, Lord God, Lord, we thank you for your love. I just pray that you would overwhelm us again with your love today, that we might know your love that is just so high, so wide, so deep. A love that brings us into the fullness of God. I pray that the fullness of God would rest upon us today.